Good morning. Welcome everyone, whether you're online or here in person. Glad to see you all and to wish you a happy Sunday this February 20th, 2022. We are so glad that you have decided to join us for worship in person and online. You know, we are worshiping in person again, and we are in a confusing uh, stage to many of you because uh, the state has now um, uh, stepped back from its uh, requirement for mass indoor for vaccinated people, and so has Ventura County. But those of you who love to live in beloved Los Angeles County are still under mass mandate. And we sympathize with you, and more than sympathize with you, half of us are you. And so since we are right here on the border between the two counties, we have been following a policy of listening to both health departments and trying to meet the requirements of both of them so that we were a body uh, connected and in uh, support of one another to what we were going through. So we are still masked inside uh, for worship today, and we may be for a couple more weeks. We'll see. Perhaps Lent, uh, March will be when we will come out of Mass. But the assumption is that you are vaccinated and that you are boosted. So if that's not the case yet, you want to get that done for yourself so that you can feel comfortable being with us um, should it turn out in March that we can uh, let go of Mass for the vaccinated and boosted folk. So, to the muddy waters, that clears it up just a little bit, perhaps, of how we're moving forward. We want you to feel comfortable, however it is that you are on this understanding, and we want to be looking out for uh, those among us, uh, particularly our young families and little ones who are not vaccinated. So there's some things coming up that I want to quickly remind you of. Don't want to take too long with this, but we're coming into Lent, and so there's an Ash Wednesday service at uh, St. Matthew's. There's a, a Monday, Thursday service at Thousand Oaks, and there's a Good Friday service here uh, at Westlake Village. The three Methodist churches that are thinking about ways in which to collaborate, share our um, staffing and collaborate in ministry are getting together for these three services. Uh, take note of those um, on your calendar. We also are having a Lenten study that we three parishes are putting on. It's going to be hosted, though, at St. Matthew, so be mindful of that. We're having a, a very interesting uh, special speaker for Black History Month on Thursday, on Thursday, March 3rd. That's a, that's a Thursday in the evening in which Dr. Gary C. Williams will be present for a webinar uh, for us to talk about this, uh, all this conversation that's going on around critical race theory and what it is about, how to understand it, how to get ourselves as people of faith um, into uh, good, constructive conversations about how we want to be brothers and sisters to each other, um, though we be of what's considered different races. Um, so the, the conversation is called how to, how to Have It With Your Kids, because we really want to be raising a new generation of kids that are mindful of this, but uh, clearly we adults need some work as well. So I, I hope everyone will come and be present to that. You'll see on the slides and on announcements how to, uh, how to connect with that uh, presentation. You heard about the crop walk last week. I hope you are, are noticing that that is coming up. Uh, Bowls of Hope is, is back up in our community through I think as many mansions that does that for us. Um, and also during a, a few of the Thursdays of Lent, I'm going to be having a special book study to supplement the study that's going on uh, in our Paul class. So if you are not a member of that Paul class, you are welcome to come be a part of it. After Jesus, before Christianity, there's a couple hundred years in which we're kind of uncertain about how things actually really did take root and develop. And, and we like to look at it through our assumptions looking backwards, and, and these authors are trying very much to look at, well, what do we actually really know of that period, and, and what can we learn from that as we, if we were them, looking forward. 
So it's a very fascinating book, and uh, everyone's invited to come be a part of that. Today we continue on with our sermon series of Epiphany, uh, looking at the impact of encountering Jesus in your life. I hope you all have had that impact in your life, um, how it has affected you. We're looking at how it's affected a couple biblical folk and noteworthy folk of, uh, of history, all with the, uh, the hope that we might get some insights, might get some ahas or oh wows in our own thinking or in our own feelings about how to connect to God through Christ. Today we're looking at Nicodemus, uh, an interesting character in our New Testament, as well as looking at John Wesley. So let's get on with it. I invite you to uh, make yourself comfortable wherever you are, your easy chair, your bed, your pew. Settle in. Take a deep breath. Invite the Spirit of God into your life to touch you during this time of worship. This is the day which the Lord has made. Let us join as one in heart and voice. Worship Him now. invite you to stand and join in our call to worship. Hold on there, Jenny. Let me get a few lines out here. Although I do love that hymn, and I would be tempted just to jump to it anyway. Um, but here, let's first say, brothers and sisters, let us worship the Lord our God in spirit and in truth. All right. Let us pray. Unite your spirits with mine. Holy God, you have shared yourself with us in so many, many ways and at so many, many times. We are grateful, we are thankful, and we are prayerful this morning that you would help us to pay attention to you, to look and to listen well for your message of new and abundant life. May your light illumine our pathways and help us grow into our best selves. We pray this as your beloved children who want to live in oneness with you and oneness with one another through the power of Christ's love in our lives. Make it so. Help us to make it so. Amen. kids. I'm so sorry that I'm not there with you in person, but I'm so glad that I had the chance to share this video with you where I can talk to you and share a little bit of what's going on in our worship service today. 
The adults are going to hear two stories, the story of a man named Nicodemus and the story of a man named John Wesley. Now, Nicodemus was someone who really had a lot of questions for Jesus, and he snuck out in the middle of the night to go have a conversation to find out what Jesus was talking about and to learn a little bit more about the message that Jesus was sharing. He asked lots of questions and took time to ponder what Jesus had to say in his heart. Have you guys heard the word ponder before? That means to think about and to question and to wrestle with what Jesus was saying and how that applied to his faith life and his walk with God. Now, John Wesley also had a lot of questions about Jesus. He spent a lot of time studying and learning and growing in his understanding of who God was. He was a son of a pastor. He became a pastor himself, went to school, studied with friends, got to do all of this with his brother, and really looked into seeing who Jesus was and questioning what Jesus was asking him to do. Now, John Wesley asked so many questions about what it meant to be a person of faith that as he was thinking about how God was calling him to live his life, he also questioned what his church was doing and how his church could represent Jesus more in the world. He spent a lot of time challenging people to wake up their faith and to make their relationship with Jesus one that was their own, that they felt in their heart so that they might understand God more fully. Not just how we think about God, but how God touches our hearts. John Wesley ended up being the founder of the United Methodist Church and is someone who has helped us form and shape our beliefs and understanding about how we live as disciples. Think about the name of our church, Methodist. What words do you hear in there? Methodist, Methodist. Do you hear the word method? I do. That's because John Wesley was someone who was very, who used a method that used a routine so that he might be better connected to God. And one of the ways that he used a routine is, is that he had a set schedule for when he studied his Bible, when he went out and served, how he did things to connect with God. And so he was methodical in his faith process, and that helped form who we are. And my question for you as you prepare to either head off to Sunday school or participate in the, the worship bulletin that I've emailed out is how you have a method to talk to God and how you have a method to be in relationship with God. What are the things that you do? Do you say a prayer every night before you go to bed? Do you read a scripture passage with your family? Do you say grace before dinner? What are a part of your method so that you might know God better? Will you guys join me in a moment of prayer? Let's take a moment to talk to God. Dear God, thank you for today. Thank you for tomorrow. And thank you for all of our yesterdays. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for shaping us. Thank you for methods or rhythms that help us be in connection with you. Help us to find the things in our own lives that help us understand you better. Amen. center ourselves and go to God in prayer.
We pray, Lord God, that as you are with us in this time of prayer, that you would hear the stirrings of our spirits, the yearnings of our minds, the hopes of our hearts. We need your touch to be made real in our lives, to give us strength and courage, healing and renewed life. Help us to pay attention and be open to your presence. And we seek to help in that mysterious process by thinking of how we get in the way of it through decisions we make, things we say, how we sin against you and one another, how we, for sure, how we fall short of our aspirations of being our better selves. Help us to get straight. Hear our prayers of confession. May your grace wash us clean and strengthen our resolve to walk more faithfully in your name. We pray for those around us who are struggling with physical or mental health issues, with troubled relationships and uncertain employment or other forms of discomfort and disease. We think specifically this morning again of Linda Northrup and her husband Dave and Kathy Drake and her husband Ken and we pray that as they deal with cancer and futures that they are well embraced by your spirit and know it and strengthened to face the challenges of their future. O oh Lord, hear our prayers. We pray for former member Jonah Morton recovering from a stroke and regaining some mobility. We pray for Gary Evans's friend John's wife Pat who awaits clinical trials for a, a stage four cancer condition. And we pray for Paul Fortier who is now in hospice care due to his cancer. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. We pray for David Kettle's cousin Sherry who was in a bad accident in Nashville, Tennessee and is now at home recovering. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. And we pray for a Crespi student, Zane, Yacomb, who collapsed during a game last week and is hospitalized in a medically induced coma awaiting the proper opportunity for, for heart surgery for his parents, Robert and Vilma, and for the friends who gather around him in spirit and stand vigil. O oh Lord, hear our prayers. We pray for Skylar Knowlton, home after two months of hospitalization and slowly recovering, who is also awaiting heart surgery. And we pray for Jim Lawson, who we are told is having hip surgery in the near future. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. We pray for Kathy Loeb, who recovers from a shoulder injury, Candace Shehorn, who recovers from knee surgery, Dick Thomas, who continues to recover from his uh, series of surgeries to regain his health. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. We pray for Ella Kumar, a friend of Barbara Ghosh, 
recently diagnosed with aplastic anemia and will be transferred to City of Hope for special chemotherapy treatment. Oh Lord, hear our prayer. And we pray for all those suffering from COVID to one extent or another as patient or caregiver. We think particularly of Dr. John Johnson's wife who is hospitalized now with COVID. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. And amid all of these concerns, we think of moments in which we have uh, experienced joy and we lift up collectively with one another uh, thanksgiving and joy for Russ Stone and Elaine Stewart's mother who are both recovering well from their heart valve surgeries. We're thankful for these, these words of good news. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. We think of others, Lord God, who we lift up privately now in our thoughts. Help us all, Lord God, to love, to be loved, and to walk in your spirit. We pray for our church as it continues to maintain its ministries through these challenging times, and we ask your help to strengthen us to be more effective and more vital in what it is that we do. All this we pray in your son's holy name, joining together saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. trust.
Thank you, Linda. And, and for those of you online, I want to assure you that the stained glass windows did not break with that high note, but there was some, there was some quivering, I think. Thank you so much. I hope you're seeing how these sermons that you're, you're getting during this epiphany season is fitting into the arc of stuff that Rachel and I have been talking about since actually back last fall. We're talking about setting a course for a better life, uh, talking about how God's story is illumined by a whole bunch of other stories that build up and, and celebrate what God is doing through Christ and how that actually can get under your skin and can weasel its way into your thinking and can actually, if you let it, become your story and change the way you go about your life. God can strengthen all of us. I think if I were to say, can I get a witness? I hope all of you would say, me. I have a story to tell. God has strengthened me. And I hope you see it beyond just this pandemic time, but I'm sure hoping you see it during this pandemic time, that you have not walked alone and that God has been a part of your life to help you Find your way through. God can even transform us, make us different folk than we think we are if we let God's Spirit have its way with us. That's the very exciting thing about the relationship with God that may be beyond what we envision when we let God into our lives and give a little space for God to do God's stuff. Surprising things can happen. And so we looked at people who had things happen to them because they let God into their life. We, we have had some sermons on Paul and Dorothy Day and Peter and C.S. Lewis and the Samaritan woman and Nadia Bolse Weber. We've talked about Zacchaeus and Francis Perkins, the adulterous woman and Father Boyle. All of these are, are great uh, explorations of what can happen in a person's life when they open themselves up to God. All of these are, are little glimpses for us, perhaps big glimpses for you as to what God might do. Today we're having some fun looking at Nicodemus and John Wesley and hoping that we might have uh, one more or some mores, aha, or oh wows as we go through worship today. So Nicodemus, well, here's this character, Nicodemus. If you've, if you've looked at any religious art, you know he's kind of an older guy with a beard, uh, uh, a, a nose, and a, a posture of authority and power. That's how people seem to characterize Nicodemus. We're told he's a Pharisee, 
That means that he's a teacher of Judaism, teacher in Israel, stressing ethics. You get that? Ethics, how we behave rightly to one another. Stressing right behavior and obedience to God's law. These Pharisees, you know, they were kind of particular. You do this and you don't do that. And you better watch out. Nicodemus was one of those guys. Um, I kind of like those guys. I, I think there's a, a place for everything, right? And there's right behavior and wrong behavior. Eh, you know. Thank you, Nicodemus. He was a Sanhedrin. Now, what does that mean to you if I say that? That should trigger, he's one of the city council, or he's like part of the legislature. He's part of the governing team in Jerusalem of holy people. Now, they've worked out some compromises. I know some people don't like them because they've accommodated themselves to the Roman overlords, but they've done it for your good so that you could still go to the temple. That's what the Sanhedrin would say. You could still go to the temple. You can still make your sacrifices. The Romans are not going to get in the way of that. You can... uh, Do the things that feel right as a Jew. Now, a lot of people thought he was a collaborator because of that. And a lot of people thanked him because of that. I wonder where you would be looking at Nicodemus. Was he maintaining the face integrity? Was he enabling Roman oppression. Well now, Nicodemus appears in John's gospel three times. One is the story that we'll hear read today in our scripture lesson, and so I won't repeat that. We'll get to that later. And another one is when he defends Jesus to the Pharisees that are gathered who are anxious to get at Jesus. That's an interesting posture of Nicodemus. And then Nicodemus appears after we're all cried out on Good Friday with Joseph of Amarathia, and they come to do right by Jesus' body. That may have taken a lot of us by surprise when we first read Scripture and saw Nicodemus showing up that night with his buddy Joseph with a big, big cart full of spices to deal with Jesus' body. Well, what do you make of this guy? He's an interesting character. He personifies, for many of us, a learned Jewish constituency that was well-disposed well-disposed to Jesus, but did not understand him adequately and had, had not reached the point of confessing him as the Messiah. Nicodemus seems to be a little fearful about what his peers may think of him if he made even his interest in Jesus made known. So, should we think of him as a curious observer? Should we think of him perhaps as a timid, secret follower? So, let's hear our passage this morning which presents this this high moment, one of the high moments of his encounter with Jesus, and really the central core issue for him in the development of his faith. This scripture is from John chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. 
Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh. And what is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? The word of God for the people of God. How can these things Sorry, Katie. How can these things be? It boggles my mind. How can this be true? So on the cover of night, Nicodemus safely encounters Jesus. Now, how does that happen, actually? Appointment? Does he just walk the streets and bump into him? Does he head over to the garden? Is he over at Mary and Martha's house at night, knocking on the door? Is Jesus there? Something's going on, right, between Nicodemus and Jesus that at night he connects. And he wants to learn through this itinerant rabbi, but have it, I'm going to say, on his own terms. And Jesus quickly discerns the need in Nicodemus for there to be something more, something deeper in his faith than all, all that Nicodemus has as a Pharisee and a Sanhedrin. And you know, many of us go searching for those kinds of insights that will improve our spirituality and enrich our lives. Many of us are like Nicodemus, trying to have a sidebar with Jesus and say, come on, give me a little bit more of what I need. Help me to understand a little bit more of what is necessary. Yet, as Jesus points out, that little bit more doesn't always come easily for most all of us. Jesus would have us think that it entails a new birth into a truer self as a child of God, a spiritual awakening that's more than a mental enlightenment that is a transformation at some kind of core of ourselves that we would characterize it as being born again, being born anew. Nicodemus stumbles over the thought that the pathway forward for him is not through his thoughts. but rather through some other way, one that's characterized by Jesus as being more spiritual. And I think Jesus' words ring true for most all of us as well, whether we're post-enlightenment or not in this age we live in. We are dominated by our reason and our intellect. Aha. Maybe an oh wow. You know, I resonate with Nicodemus. I really get where he's at because I think he and I are, are brothers. Perhaps you do also. Many of us are, are mind-oriented kind of people, thought-based thought-based creatures. We live our lives from the notions and the insights of our intellects. And you can notice those kind of people, when you talk to them, they'll say, well, I think, it seems to me, it makes sense, we, we use intellectual words, and, and other people go, well, I feel we ought to, or I sense. You know, those folk, those folk are not 
dominated, at least in that conversation, I think they reveal that there's another place out of which they work. We do what makes sense. We intellect-orientated, mind-orientated kind of people, head people. We, we do what makes sense and avoid what does not make sense. We're not really very happy with paradox or irrational kind of things. And this serves us in many ways, yet not always and not all the time. Now, John Wesley is celebrated as the father of our denomination, and he was reared in the Anglican church way back there in the 1700s. He was the son of an Oxford-educated priest. He was saved from a fire in the parsonage at an early age, and he felt called to some greater purpose because of that. His family valued education. They valued it enough that Mom Susanna taught all of the children Latin and Greek and all sorts of things at a young age. Now, while he was at Oxford, he and his brother Charles, Charles of the hymn-writing fame, created what was called the Holy Club with other students as a way to seek to grow in their faith. You heard Rachel refer to that. Uh, it became a derision. They were called Methodists as a as a put-down term at Oxford. It later became the moniker for our denomination, didn't it? Wesley was following in a long tradition of religious people who believed that solid thinking and good behavior were the keys to faith development. And they are, friends, they are. But they are not the whole of it. And this insight is what's crucial from the life of Nicodemus as told to us biblically and the life of John Wesley. After a failed missionary tour in Georgia and a near-death experience in his mind on a transatlantic journey, he encountered God in Christ through a group of enthusiastic, was the word in those days, enthusiastic Moravians. And then at his Aldergate experience, he was led into a more spiritually grounded and emotionally expressive faith. In his journal, he wrote... While hearing about the changes which God works in the, heart, in the heart through faith in Christ, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust Christ, Christ alone for my salvation, and an assurance, an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sin, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. He's talking about some level of connection with God that's not intellectual here, isn't he? He didn't say, and Jesus got me to think right about predestination and virgin birth. And with my doctrines sorted out properly, I knew that life would be good. Now, sorting out your doctrines are helpful, but there's something else going on here, isn't there? In spiritual growth, shaping of the soul, development of faith. Wesley, I think, had the experience that Jesus was trying to lead Nicodemus to have. The experience of going to God with your heart, with your heart-soul, and not just with your mind and actions. 
Aha. Oh, wow. What do you think? Does this make sense to you or does it sound a little squirrely? You know, we all have inclinations. We all have preferences. We have personality styles like I, I shared about myself, right? The thinking, the feeling. We all have these kind of things. And, and this is the fun of our distinctiveness, of why it's, it's kind of fun to be around you because you're not like me. It's, the, it's the, the blessing of our diversity that we have these kind of maybe predispositions or styles. Yet there is a wisdom here for us from God through Christ that the enterprise of faith involves the whole of who we are. The whole of who we are, not just our dominant characteristic or, or our most comfortable persona. We will, I think, experience God inadequately or, or, or maybe insufficiently if it is only through a partial aspect of ourselves, like only through our thoughts or only through our emotions. We need to involve the, the whole of ourselves, like our emotions and our spiritual sensibilities, to complement our thoughts and our actions. And if that's a bit foreign to us, it's, it's incumbent upon us to learn about it and, and develop it. Christ invites us into that faith task. So I want to say straight out and very clearly that I think it's the church's business to be about helping all of us to have this kind of whole experience of ourselves with God. And the programs that we have, the way we do worship, the way we do studies, the way we do everything that we do needs to be grounded upon the reality and the hope that we are communicating God's love and grace through all the various ways by which people are and the ways by which we are to be. And if you find yourself really enjoying doing good deeds, God bless you. Do them. But read a book too. And sit yourself down and be in prayer for more than 30 seconds. You know, and if you just really like to be in prayer all day, you're just kind of like one of those meditative guys, you're, you're a spiritual couch potato, you can just sit there on that little uh, pad and be like that for hours. God bless you. I think you've got some secret going on there with God that the rest of us need to know about. But you know you got to get off of that pad at some point and get into the soup kitchen. You got to. There's something there for you. There's something very exciting. Extending love in a concrete way. Our church is to be about this. And our role as clergy or lay leaders for you is to help encourage you to expand yourself to the full experience of God in Christ. To not just be like Nicodemus and be satisfied with behavior and thoughts. Or not just like the pre-Aldersgate Wesley, satisfied with method and practice. 
So when we pray in worship, don't daydream. This is an opportunity for you, right? In that prayer to experiment spiritually with God and make that connection. And when singing is going on or you are singing, sing! Well, under your mask, softly. Like you mean it. Ah, burst yourself. And when you're hearing a sermon, I understand how there's grocery lists to review and, and what the afternoon is going to be like, and the sermon is a good opportunity for uninterrupted focus on things like that. <laughs> but really, tussle with what's being said. Stretch the thoughts. And when we come for communion, what are you doing? What are you doing in communion? Do it, right? We're offering ourselves through a mystery of the ages to be in a oneness with one another in God. Don't come up and make a joke to the server. We love laughter and friendliness, but this is a moment of sacred transcendence. Get yourself into that place, right? Here's your opportunity. If there's any truth in the mystery of it, you want to be a part of that, don't you? Be a part of that. So, Bring the whole of yourselves. Try to bring the whole of yourselves to God. And let God affect you more fully than ever before. And you will find yourself growing into that child of God that God wants you to be. Your best self. Amen. To share of your financial resources. There'll be instructions on the screen to help remind you of how to do that. Um, we are thankful for all of your generosity that has kept us afloat and going and engaged in ministry and doing good over these two years of pandemic, and we count on it today as well to move us forward. So be generous, as generous as you can be, to help us be the good people we intend to be to one another and to those in our community.
Let's pray. Let's pray. Holy God, use these gifts which we, we share for, for your greater purposes so that we might indeed be your heart and your hands in service to our neighbors. Amen. I invite you to stand and sing our closing hymn. Be safe, be safe, stay healthy. You can do it. And know that you are loved as you are and for whom you will become. Go in God's spirit. Amen.